listening to TGIF Geocaching Radio. It's almost Christmas and Tiny Tim is on a rescue mission. This year, the Seven Days of Geopodmas is a special daily audio saga continuing the adventures of Tiny Tim and the Treasure Troops. Be sure to catch up and follow the events from Day 1. Geopodmas Day 6 begins now. Tiny Tim appeared in a dark corner of a warm room, the wispy remnants of his gateway swirling away within seconds. Tim had been busy. Ever since donning Sir Maximus's magic linekeeper hat, the one he'd been carrying around in hopes of locating its owner before deciding to see if it had more capabilities than his own keeper's hat, he had been jumping over and over, hoping, believing that somewhere, sometime, he may be able to find Sir Maximus. After his first jump with the hat took him and an innocent bystander treasure troop from headquarters to the placing of the first geocache back in time on May 3rd, 2000, he'd been exploring the world like never before. Sir Maximus was a line keeper of the highest rank and had been his mentor when Tiny Tim first received his own hat. The missions line keepers were tasked with were of higher import than the treasure troops, though all were in the business of bringing joy and cheer. Tiny Tim had joined a human for a time, befriending him and found ways to instill some fun and generosity in his geocaching hobby to spread to others. That was his mission. But he could only imagine what sorts of missions Sir Maximus carried out, being the highest rank of linekeeper. Clearly, Sir Maximus had much more extra power and ability harnessed from the cash line to travel through space and time. The things he must have seen and accomplished... Tiny Tim was getting lost in his own wonderland. He'd now been appearing and visiting various pivotal events in human history, and not only geocaching related. But why these events, he couldn't be certain. He still felt at the whim of Sir Maximus's hat, not knowing exactly where he'd end up next, but believing that he was indeed drawing closer to Sir Maximus, as if following in his footsteps throughout history. In his adventures, he witnessed the very moment the Wright brothers' aircraft first successfully lifted off the ground, self-propelled, controlled, and traveling free of the dust and friction of the earth, changing the world forever. He'd heard the delicate and powerful tones and melodies of Beethoven composing and performing symphonic masterpieces, despite his lack of hearing, to the enraptured attentions and hearts of his audience, many drawn to tears at the unexpected beauty flowing from his fingers. He watched from a rooftop safely as the first brick of the Berlin Wall came tumbling down at the hands of civilians, celebrating newfound freedom. He sat on a window ledge, peering into a room with numerous men of many ages, each in turn signing a document that declared independence for their people, even faced with a potential charge of treason. He watched from behind the leg of a sofa in a family's living room as a teenager stared at a TV screen, intensely watching news coverage of a man with one leg who took upon himself a goal of running across his country, raising awareness and funds for cancer research, and despite being unable to complete his mission, inspired countless others before passing away of that very cancer. He could see the connection that teenager had with Terry Fox's plight, undoubtedly one of those he inspired. He observed a woman in a nun's cowl while he sat high in a tree, as she held a baby in her arms while others waited patiently, and treating people, young and old, with medicine, seeming to be lost in compassionate care for those around her. 
He was chilled in a cool breeze as he curled up in an alleyway and spotted a man tossing small bags of coins in a window. He followed him for a ways before seeing him enter a doorway to a building where he was greeted by someone inside and he heard the name Nicholas. Through all of these travels, he saw people giving, people creating, people taking action, people sacrificing, and people inspired. Yet with each transit using Sir Maximus's hat, he felt his time available to observe grew ever shorter, sensing an unprompted swelling of the gateway returning during each visit, and wishing, wishing, he had more time. It felt as if it were pulling him of its own volition from place to place, and he was growing more unable to control it. It was jumping him farther through time, forward and backward. Now he was in a dark, warm room, and he inched along the wall until he saw a man hunched over a countertop, barely lit by the flicker of a couple of candles nearby. There were a number of machines and pieces of equipment scattered around, and then there was a glow emanating from the countertop, making a silhouette of him. There was no flame, but a quiet hum, as a light bulb lit with the current of electricity. Just as it did, he felt the swirl of the gateway beginning and backed up again, ready to travel. It was growing faster now, and he bounded over, jumping in before it poofed away. Then Tiny Tim tumbled, tripping over strands of hay and straw. Coming to a halt, he almost sneezed from all the dust, but then he heard a faint sound, a high-pitched wailing. He looked around and sniffed, sensing the odor of something like a barn. He hopped up a big pile of hay, two steps up, and slipped one back, then two up and one back. It wasn't easy climbing loose hay at his tiny size. Nearing the top, he suddenly felt the wind of an enormous snout. A donkey had spotted him and was looking down his long nose right at Tim. He froze. He gave a little bark and lifted a paw, as if to say, I come in peace. The donkey snorted and turned aside and stopped again, but with one eye looking straight at Tim and blinked. Then went along finding some more hay to chew on. Tim relaxed, then turned again to the source of the wailing. Atop the hay mound, he saw the frame of a building, rough with stone stairs to the upper levels, tall, heavy, blanket-like curtains, and a few torches adorning the walls. Below were some piles of hay, and in the vicinity, a few troughs filled with water and some scattered animals. But in the center of that lower room, lit by a small fire, were a man, a woman, some men dressed well for traveling, and a little baby, wrapped and being cared for. The men were looking closely, knelt at the woman's side, admiring this baby so much more than any he'd seen before. He could only think of one explanation for this jump. It must be that baby the humans called Jesus, the one he sees at the centerpiece of many of the humans' Christmas decorations all over the world. He felt an overwhelming sense of calm and peace as he watched, drawn to the face of this crying baby, even while he wondered why the humans seemed so drawn to him. Just then, he heard the donkey snort again. He looked back over to it, and it was thrashing his head as if directing Tiny Tim to look over at the... Tim gasped. The gateway was already grown and swirling. Bits of hay were being picked up in the vortex. He looked back at the scene once more, but had to pull himself away and get hopping down the hay pile at his best speed. He stumbled and tripped and landed on his feet, tripping again, and as he touched down on the ground, he tumbled into the gateway just as it closed in. He felt like he had no footing right now, like he was falling, surrounded only by white. Then a long, dark line grew and zipped past him, followed by another one he could almost reach, but just beyond his grasp. 
Another one farther off faded in, and then out and away, and more and more appeared, fading in from the white and then fading out again as they passed, swishing by. All these lines, so many paths, so many destinations. He started to fear that he'd lost his route, lost his way. Had the hat malfunctioned? Was it working? Was he lost? As he continued to tumble slowly, head over tail, he soon saw a sole black dot far below. It was growing, growing, right beneath him. Time and space had lost all meaning. He couldn't feel wind, he couldn't tell how far away the hole was, only that it was slowly engulfing him, and soon it circled around him and the white vanished in a dot above. So quiet. Then he heard a soft wind, a window portal opening ahead of him, just like the one he used to show Sergeant Green the family, finding the geocache he'd restocked, just in time. Only this time, Tiny Tim was looking through. It grew wide enough that he could see it was poised at the end of an aisle, a store aisle. The shelves were filled with red and green and white glittering things, decorations and costumes and wrapping paper, bags. There was a section filled with cards, shelves of mugs and gloves and candies. It was dark, though. The store was probably closed. Then something caught his eye. On the ground, he watched closely as a white glow appeared. There was a small swirl of air and wisps of fog, and with a quiet jingle, it dissipated. And there, to Tim's unbelieving eyes, was Sir Maximus. Tim barked and tried to run into the store, but he couldn't move. He couldn't get close to the window. Sir Maximus had on his red and white magic hat, his linekeeper's hat. Tim watched as he climbed one of the shelves, and at about halfway up, he jumped over to a hook. It was one on which was hanging a handful of those human-style Santa hats, many looking just like the ones they wore as linekeepers. Sir Maximus balanced on the hook, and with a quick flash, the hat that was on his head disappeared, and a new one appeared at the end of the hook. Did he just... did he just give up his hat? thought Tim. What happened next shook Tim to his core. Sir Maximus jumped down from the hook to the ground. He lifted himself up, and then seemed to look straight up towards Tim as if he could see him through the gateway window. They locked eyes for a moment, and then Sir Maximus winked, waved, and dawdled down the aisle away from Tim. He was barking incessantly, doing everything he could to get to the window and jump through, to bound over to Sir Maximus and lick his face, nuzzle him, hug him, be held by him, his long-lost mentor. But he couldn't, and as he watched Sir Maximus round the end of the aisle, the window began to fade, its wispy edges shrinking toward the center. Tim could do nothing but watch, and as the window closed, the white returned, as a faraway dot, growing and growing. He heard the swirling wind and the white grow quickly, and it enveloped him again, right now.